the bookstore and the secret garden. Don't need no TV, I don't need no phone. Don't need no speedy car to give me home. Welcome to Simple Life Radio. I'm your host, Cynthia Fernandez. Simple Life Radio is a show that focuses on the simple things in life, those things often overlooked or taken for granted. And I hope you enjoy today's show. You know, for me, here on the Central Coast, one of my um, ideas of maybe the most mysterious and wildly alive places is really Big Sur. I've been spending time in Big Sur for rejuvenation, you know, a little R&R time since before I moved to Monterey County when I was still living in the Silicon Valley up in San Jose. But until a little while ago, I had never heard about one of the most mysterious legends about Big Sur called the Dark Watchers. Our two guests today have collaborated on a recently... um, uh, recent released book titled In Search of the Dark Watchers, Legends and Lord of Big Sur. And just by chance, this book is now published and in the Pilgrim's Way Community Bookstore in Secret Garden in our local interest section. So next time you drop by, take a look at that. Thomas Steinbeck is a writer, the eldest son of Noble Laureate John Steinbeck, and Thomas, who has written numerous screenplays, published many books, including Down a Soundless Sea from 2002 and In the Shadow of the Cypress from 2010. Um, Also, The Silver Lotus, 2012. This is his uh, uh, newest book come out. He contributed to this book titled The Dark Watchers, In Search of the Dark Watchers. He's currently writing his memoir. And his uh, collaboration buddy, Benjamin Brode, an artist who spent his early years exploring a seepy countryside in San Diego County, where I was born. Um, there he developed a great love for the natural beauty of California, and by his own account had his first encounter with the wee folk who lived in the pepper tree. The son of artists, Broad, was encouraged to be creative and engage life with an artistic sensibility. Well, for the past three years... Benjamin has been focusing on the Big Sur wilderness. The sketches and paintings from his time there are part of the collaboration with Thomas for this beautiful, beautiful book. Welcome, gentlemen, to Simple Life Radio. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. But maybe I should <clears throat> excuse me, start out by saying that this isn't my book. This is Ben's book. Uh, my contributions are very much akin to the liner notes on a record album. <laughs> it was, um, Ben's been going up to the Big Sur for years, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, from the California School of, uh, of, of uh, Painting, uh, he's one of the top three when it comes to uh, painting the California laurel, shall we say. Mm, and, that's uh, beautiful. I, it, it, it's, 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 I've, I've, I've a modest collection of my own, but at any rate, <laughs> um, the first time Ben ever heard about the Dark Watchers, we were together up at the Post Ranch Inn and uh, staying in the and the, the Post had loaned us their house, which is up there at where the inn is, and uh, 
and it was like you know rainy terrible weather and we had the fire going and I told him the story of the dark watchers and that was it a simple thing you know he was up there painting anyway <laughs> so um and if you read the book you 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 know how the rest of the story goes but I don't consider this my book I consider this uh, Ben's book and I just got the joy of writing the liner notes well, it's a wonderful contribution that you made there. And, and Ben, may I call you Ben? Yes. Ben. And you can call me Tom, too. By I the can way. call you Tom. Oh, thank you, Mr. Steinbeck. Um, no, just call me Tom. <laughs> well, you guys collaborated on this. And, and I know from having read the book that when you heard that story of the Dark Watchers, um, that it really inspired you, and I was hoping that that someone, because for myself, I never heard of the Dark Watchers before reading the book. Can someone tell us, uh, either Tom or Ben, tell us about the Dark Watchers and maybe what or who they are? And I realize this is based on legend. Well, we we don't know who and what they are. Uh, that's the way the way the game gets played. If you talk to an Irishman about the little people, what can he possibly tell you? Talk to a Hawaiian about the Metahuni, what can they possibly tell you? All I know is that supposedly, and I've get, gotten this from uh, some of my father's relatives, that since the time of the conquistadors and the, and the Big Sur, people have talked about being in the Big Sur and being watched. And uh, by these creatures that they can't quite see. And uh, they call them the Dark Watchers, in Spanish and in English. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's all anybody really knows. And when you get that sort of feeling that there are people looking at you, these little people. Uh, my grandmother, uh, who I never got to meet, by the way, but who tells this, I've got the story from her through her daughter, my Aunt Beth. Uh, was the um, first um, circuit riding school teacher in the Big Sur. Uh, these are the days when school was held at various ranches. And she swore that she traded with them. She'd leave them fruit and nuts at a very specific place. And when she came back a couple of weeks later, there'd be shells with holes drilled in them and decorated feathers and mm. things. But what was always said about them is, to begin with, they didn't use fire. They, you could never find their camps. They were constantly on the move. And um, they'd been there forever, and everybody talks about them. Wow, that's really but, interesting. But, but like anything else, people also spend a lot of time talking about Bigfoot. <laughs> Oh, and the Loch Ness monster, mm-hmm. and lots of other things. Well, thank. So, at any rate, um, Ben has been painting up there for a long time, and this and this was weeks later. Uh, said, uh, "I'm going up to the Big Sur. Do you want to go along?" And I and I couldn't because I had some other obligations. And I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, I'm going to do some paintings." And I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah." going to go look for the dark watchers. Mm. Just a joke. <laughs> and 
and lead it from there. You can tell the rest, man. Well, yeah, I I, uh, I love the Big Sur, and I spent a lot of time up there. Uh, it's a very magical, magical place, especially when you get off the trails and up into the woods. Um, and I I had thought about doing a book of my own just with paintings in it and nothing to do with any story until Tom told me this story and then I decided that well I think I'll go up there and do some sketching and painting and just see what happens mm-hmm. so, um, I originally was just going to go take my gear and set up in the woods and paint but then reading the story I realized that if the dark watchers were going to appear that I couldn't take all this gear back in the woods so I just made little sketches and worked from memory some of the paintings I did in camp after a day's hike I spent a lot of time just sitting in the woods basically that's what it all came about Um, there is there's a lot of magical things go on if you if you go out in the woods where there is nobody around and just sit there be amazed at what you, what's around, the movement, uh, shadows that move, and uh, all kinds of things like that. Mm. So, when you heard the story from from Tom that evening in front of the fire, um, was was that an inspiration for you to take up painting from that magical perspective? Or were you, were you already going, and Tom sort of, uh, you know, planted that last seed? I was already going. Uh, I didn't but, plant any seed. It was more of a but, decoration. Yeah, <laughs> Tom's story sort of opened up uh, an avenue. Of, I would just go, well, I wonder what would happen. I wonder if the Dark Watchers will appear magically of course and uh, if you look at the paintings closely some people can see things some people can't so it depends well you know have you, have you read the book I have well the answer to the questions in the very last paragraph the answer to the question Tom yeah, about the Dark Watchers. Yeah. That's where they're all over the place. Yes. Yeah. They are. And uh, I have friends who swear by it as well. Uh, a friend of mine who goes to the Big Sur every year for, he's been going there for 40 years. He goes for 10 days every year. It's his, it's his retreat. Mm. And the last time he was up there after the book, he uh, actually he came back a day early because we had a big, big uh, reception here at Tom's house, and he said that for the first time he realized that the dark watchers were everywhere. He went out walking in the moonlight, and the first encounter startled him. But then he realized that there was nothing to be afraid of, and just got very quiet. And he says they're everywhere. <laughs> so, and sometimes they appear like humans on sort of the horizon, just staring off into space. 
I have friends that have encountered that. So they, they appear in, in different forms. Hmm. They're just small people. They're small people. They're more, but they're more in shadow. It's sort of, I, like I was told, like, if you spot one, never look directly at it. Mm-hmm. Look out of the corner of your eye. Because if you look directly at it, they'll simply disappear. Well, you know, it's interesting when I read that in the book, um, it reminded me of the, the same behavior is encouraged whenever you're around birds or wild animals. You know, let, let's say that's not a charging bear or mountain lion, but you're walking along a trail and you encounter a flock of birds that are ground feeding um, to have them feel safe, not to look them right in the eye, but maybe their foot or... Yeah, peripherally. I mean, even bears don't like that. As a matter of fact, you can get you can get away from a bear if you don't make eye contact. Mm-hmm. You just keep on going on your way. Mm-hmm. But you've got to remember that the dark watchers. The problem with finding the dark watchers is, like most wild animals, they have an incredible sense of smell. You take a camera, they can smell the camera oil. They can they can smell anything man made. You can't even take a, a, a an egg salad sandwich up there. Mm. You know, they'll smell it. They'll smell you. So the idea is to be as invisible as possible. And Ben only took a a notebook and a few colored pencils. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and being quiet in the woods is sort of the the, the what can I say that the what the book is all about it's it's about spirit it's not about Tom it's not about me it's about spirit it's about being quiet in nature you know don't take your cell phone yeah <laughs> don't talk <laughs> talk even to yourself you know and <laughs> the thing about Big Sur is you can get away from human beings really easily because all the time I went off on trails, a lot of the trails I went on, there was nobody around. They're all on the highway. They don't get off the road. So, and the other thing is a lot of trails that used to be well used aren't anymore. They're overgrown. I had to do some bushwhacking to get to places Hmm. because the old trails, the trails are still there, but they just, nobody's taking care of them. So people don't go off, uh, and so I think the the habitat for the dark watchers is better than it was maybe 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so um, our guest today, Thomas Steinbeck, Benjamin Broad, are speaking about their newest uh, book, um, Benjamin's newest book titled "In Search of the Dark Watchers: Legend and Lore of Big Sur." Um, ben, I had a question for you. In that pepper tree where you used to live, can you tell us about the weak folk there? Well, I was, uh, you know, probably preschool, pretty young. And uh, these little people would come out of the tree, and I would play for hours and hours with them. They're still very vivid in my mind. Uh as the story goes, I don't remember this, but um, the story goes that one day my mother came out and uh, to get me to do something and frightened my little friends away, and uh, they never came back. Hmm. 
go off to school. So, you know, little creatures are everywhere. Well, I love that perspective, and just to get folks to slow down and take a look around them is a a wonderful gift. Just be quiet. (laughs) Hard to do on the radio. (laughs) One of the people who really understood this was Bill Post. I loved Bill Post and his wife, Lucy. They were great friends of ours, and I loved the Post Ranch. Uh, It's now a hotel, but I, I remember when it wasn't. And um, he did a lot of work trimming up the trails on the ranch when it became a hotel that you can walk on. And some of them are just exquisite. But you've got to remember in an earlier day when horseback was the only mode of transportation, there were a lot more trails. Mm-hmm. Now, as, Bill, as, as, as Ben says, no one gets off of Highway 1. You know, they don't want to walk around. Well, you know, it's to... it's really interesting because uh, with all the interest in preserving nature, there are all these roped off areas that say, you know, do not get off trail. <laughs> when you go out camping, I don't know if you guys have encountered that, but um, certainly uh, in the state parts, etc., there's lots of signage that, are concerned about erosion and impact on the environment by way of human traffic. Not only that, but they're worried about lawsuits. That's probably true. (laughs) That happens here in in, in Santa Barbara, where college students are constantly falling off the cliff. (laughs) Um, There's a great big yellow, you know, plastic wall there, you know, that stuff they put up. Yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. Once a month, some college kid will fall off the cliff. Uh, on the other hand, I don't go to state parks very often. I I, I prefer to wander around on private land. Mm-hmm. And the Big Sur, um, it, you know, if 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 you're uh, attentive and 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 don't and make no attempts to set up a campsite or, you know, live there for any length of time, you can go pretty much anywhere you want. Yes, and there's a lot of trails that aren't in the parks at all. They're, they're uh, you know, you park along the road, and uh, there's parking, and you go off up the mountain or down towards the seashore. Mm-hmm. That's the trails I'm talking about. Even, even the state park trails, um, there's not a lot of people on them. That's so true. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I've gone, there's a trail out of the big, big state park there that I went on and I hiked for an hour or two and I saw one person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they just don't go. They stay in the campground. Better for the it's, dark watchers, huh? Yeah, the, you know, people bring their... TVs and their radios and all this stuff, and they set up a camp and they don't go anywhere. And they watch the football game. They watch football game. <laughs> that, that always perplexed me. I got to tell you. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, go ahead. No, that's it. They still do it. They 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 gather together in little tribes and they take their motorhomes and they you know go to a, they you know arrange for a camping ground and usually in groups and they. 
pack their families into their motorhomes and go up and they camp out mm-hmm. with the they just left behind. <laughs> well, yeah. They get their fold-up chairs with their place to put their beer can, and that's where they go. They don't go anyplace else. They don't go out on the trails. Maybe one or two people do. But I've gone out of the trails out of a lot of campgrounds, and I just don't see anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I say, you know, if you're quiet and respectful, there's practically no place you can't go up there. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Now, uh, I guess, Ben, some of the time that you spent in Big Sur was at another one of my favorite places way, way up uh, at the New Kamaldolese Hermitage where the views just go on forever. Yes. Um, I, I actually recognize some of your pieces from having spent time up there. Um the the cover of your book it just absolutely captures that sort of I don't know feeling the 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 essence of the view from way up the mountainside looking across at the at the open sea. How is that for you? Did you did you feel like you really captured the image there beyond the image into the feeling of the place? Oh yeah. I stayed I stayed uh, up at the Hermitage several times when I was up there you know, looking for habitat. And there was the one time that uh, I did a sketch when the full moon was setting and it woke me up because those the, the little places you stay are right there on the edge looking right out over the Pacific Ocean. And I had to get up and, and do that scene because it was so magical. So you sketched that that scene uh, more or less by moonlight? Yes. Wow. I, was, I thought somebody's headlights were coming in the room. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's spectacular. So now you're the painter in the in the dyad um, as an artist and a painter. What was it like to collaborate with an author who really works with a very different medium to um, put this beautiful piece of work together? Well, Tom's a really good friend and uh, a great storyteller, and uh, very he was very encouraging in what I was doing. He was he was right there with me on a lot of it and uh, it was uh, a joy to work with him it's a joy to be around him actually thank you Ben <laughs> oh sweet I was really surprised about was the fact that I've been dealing with the dark watchers as a story all of these years you know story passed from generation to generation and I've never met anybody who's ever found them until Ben wow and Ben found them. And I went over to see the paintings, and uh, I said, "Did you find the Dark Watchers?" And he looked at me, and he looked at the painting. He said, "Don't you see them?" I said, "He said they're all over the place. You trip them, you trip over these people." You know? And I said, "You're kidding?" He said, "No. They're all over the place." I said, "Really?" And Ben said, uh, "It's my job to paint what I see." It's your job to find what you're looking for. (laughs) 
That's a wise saying. <laughs> but now it sounds like from both of you gentlemen that you know of people, lots of other people who have uh, encountered or had some sort of um, situation where they felt like there was someone watching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, quite a few. Now, I'm just... Bill and... I'm, I'm Bill, just, Post. Bill Post and, 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 and his wife, so when they often came across them, especially in the old days. He said when he was a kid running cattle with his father, um, the Post Ranch, by the way, was built from a, a Spanish land grant, and they were cut from the from the sea inland because you needed the sea to deliver goods, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's written all over that. He said, as a kid, you were always aware that there were people watching you. And he, he knew they weren't Indians because he was an Indian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but his, uh, his, grand, his grandmother, Anselma, was... Uh, uh, what was she? She was a uh, forgotten the tribe all of a sudden. Esalen. Esalen or uh, yeah, I think she was Esalen. <clears throat> and the funny part about it is, though all the men in the family married um, Indian, I mean, all the men married white women. All the male children end up looking Indian, <laughs> and none of the girl children did. That's interesting. Very funny. Bill looked very Indian. I swear, he just he was a very funny guy. My father, as a boy, used to cowboy for his father. And in the summertime, that's what kids in Salinas did. And uh, but Bill said when he was a boy, and he he went up tracking, trying to get the cattle down, because they basically they let them graze wild. And he said he'd sit there on horseback and. You'd feel someone staring at your back. Turn around quickly, and they'd be gone. Mm. But it, but being looked at is a sensation. It is. Yeah. Then all animals know, and he he swore to them. He said he knew they were there. So did so did uh, his wife, but so many other people. Well, and mostly people lived up there. I wonder now that the book is out if uh, more people like yourself, Tom, are going to be feeling like, wow, other people have had this encounter and, uh, and, and, you know, they'll feel validated or maybe even share their own experiences. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. I don't want to be the only idiot out here. <laughs> well, Ben, you know, you, uh, you grew up being really supported in your artistic um, endeavors. Have you been painting a long time? Uh, off and on. I uh, I was a cabinet maker for 35 years, but uh, in my 20s I painted a lot. I went to some art school and then got into doing other things, and then we... Uh, my wife and I and the kids moved out to New Mexico for a while, and my children were pretty young, uh, which got me back into painting because the scenery out there, the skies especially, I would get up in the morning and it was like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a painting every day. Mm-hmm. And also we lived, we lived on a 
175-acre parcel of land which was mostly woods and nobody around. So we did our little house on a prairie routine there. I'm jealous. <laughs> and I, I would walk with my dog through the woods, just walking. And there were, I would say there were dark watches there as well. You could always feel something behind me or to the side. And uh, <clears throat> my dog would run through the woods, and all of a sudden she'd be standing, sitting right next to me. <laughs> she encountered <laughs> mm. something, so they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, for those who are quiet enough and attentive enough to see them. So, yeah. Tom, um, what did you... What did you see in Ben's landscape work that reminded you of your youth in Big Sur? Well, I don't know <coughs> really what it, what it reminded me of my youth in Big Sur is that I've always had a very profound admiration for painting, and especially landscape painting. And, uh, I mean, I studied the Hudson River School and the Adirondack School, and, I mean, many schools of painting, and I just... The first time I saw Ben's work, I realized I was looking at the work of uh, one of the best painters of the California school I'd ever seen. Mm. I'd met him. I'd seen his work before I met him. And uh, he had a show one day downtown. And I went there, and sitting up on the wall was a picture of my grandparents' ranch in the moonlight off of uh, Wild Horse Road in King City. And I was just riveted. I didn't know how he'd found it. And there it was. I, I just had the complete sensation that I'm walking up the hill and the moon is shining and there's the uh, tile roof of the ranch house in the clump of trees. And I was stunned. And I, I mean, I was just blown away. The still life was incredible. All of the still lives are beautiful. And and, and uh, I became fascinated with his work because I love great painting. I, I have three of my best friends in the world are painters. Mm. Because they can see things I can't see. You know, and they can translate things they, that, I, that I think I see. <laughs> <laughs> can't hold to it. <clears throat> I, in my meager way, Try to do it with words, but realize it can't be done with words. Mm-hmm. It can only be done with light, with colors. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain things that cannot possibly be transmitted with language. So I've, I've, known, I've known it for a long time, and while I was sitting there looking at this painting, a good friend of mine, she's an old, old friend of mine, came over and said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know how he's done it. But Mr. Broad has found King City. He's found my my grandparents' ranch. And uh, he said, really? And, uh, by the way, Ben's paintings aren't cheap. (laughs) (laughs) And so he left me alone. And then I found out that unbeknownst to me, she bought it for me. Oh, my gosh. And it hangs in my bedroom. What a gift. So, I mean, anything Ben paints, 
I'll watch. I think what I have now. Four or five of your paintings. I mean, four or five of his paintings. Here's some small ones that I just delight in. There's just one of the moon yeah. that is just believably beautiful. Well, and, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing okay. that, that he's got movement in the painting. Oh, yeah. There's one that I really love in the book, which you can see, which are the ones where the fog is moving through the trees. Mm. Can you, have you looked through the book? I have, yes. It, 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 the, these are the trees on the ocean side of the hills of the Post Ranch or of the Big Sur. And, you know, like the poem, the fog threw in, you know, walked in with little cat feet. And mm-hmm. he, he got it, you know, it just, it was there, it was beautiful. That's the way I remember the Big Sur. And the fog, the fog in the Big Sur is always moving. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sucked in like some places where it just lays there. It's always moving, it's caressing the woods, it's, it's, it's kissing you as it moves through the trees. It's, Wonderful fog. Yeah, it is a wild, wild place, which is one of the reasons I adore it so much. And uh, it's so nice That's to chat with the two of you no, who adore it, too. It, well, you, you seem to think of it as a wild, wild place. I think of it as being the most civilized place I know. I, I don't I don't mean wild as in unruly, Tom. I mean wild as in its natural state. That's what I mean. <laughs> okay, you lost me there. You lost me there. I, just, I think I just civilization has been the demise of the human race, in some people's opinion. No, it is. That's yes. why I'm using it in the contra form. Mm, gotcha. But, gotcha. But I didn't mean to do that. I just. <laughs> so t- tell <laughs> tell me how the two of you met. What was that? Oh. Met in my kitchen. <laughs> we met in his kitchen. That's it. That was it. Were, were you selling Fuller Brush, Tom? No, no. Um, Ben's wife is an amazing body worker. I mean, really amazing. And uh, my wife was pretty crippled up from uh, a foot problem. And Gail met uh, Ann Broad first. And then we got invited to their house, and that's when I met Ben. Hmm. And got to Phoenix. But my wife knew Ann before I knew Ben. I see. And uh, Ann's one of those people where you can walk in crippled, and by the time she's finished with you, you can run around the block. You know? <laughs> it's amazing, you know. That's a and, talent. Uh, I've, I've used her several times. And uh, so that's when we met. We just, and I looked around the walls and said, this is the man. <laughs> so you have, his, you have the love of beauty in common. Yeah. yeah. We love great painters. Yeah, and, you know, um, painting, and, and, well, art in general is about feeling. Um, and uh, so I try to get as much feeling in the painting as I can. I think Tom gets feeling in his writing as well because... His writing is beautiful. Well, I think a good piece of writing actually uh, facilitates pictures in the reader's mind. And, of course, it's influenced by that reader's 
relationship with the world in some way or form, but I, I know that beautiful writing just fills my head with sensations and smells and textures and colors uh, that weren't there before. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe, maybe that's why I like painting best, because it requires no language at all. Mm. I mean, anybody from any culture is going to get it, or mm. they're not, one or the other. Well, and they'll get it in their own in their own relationship and their own reference points, won't they? Exactly. Yeah. So you've um, you've been friends for a lot of years, then, and this book is just the first project you've done together. Yeah, there hasn't been really a call to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> and and so the. Um, you might do another one. Might do another one. Now, Tom, you're working on another project yourself, aren't you? Yeah, I'm working on a memoir. Any- um, it's, um, I don't know where it's going. <laughs> I'm not even too sure I know what memoir means anymore. <laughs> so, but, y- yeah. go ahead. But, I, but I'm also doing some other things, too. I've got working on some fiction about Lady Yi and uh, and Monterey. I write, I mean, I've when I write, I write about Monterey. It's uh, uh, someone asked me why I did that and I said I think it's a, because I took, it's a state of revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted revenge on Monterey. No, um, it's just one of those places that I remember as a child as being unique in so many ways and uh, I grew up with a lot of it was the first place I'd ever lived where there were so many different racial types that lived together Mm. in relative peace Portuguese, Japanese, Italians Filipinos, Chinese you know, French you name it, Russians and um, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to write I like to write short stories I'm not a novelist um, unfortunately, my publishers didn't hear me say that <laughs> and demanded a novel. And I told them that they were talking to the wrong Steinbeck. <laughs> and uh, I much prefer short stories. I, I like, uh, it, it takes more discipline to write a short story than it does a whole novel. Hmm. You know, as Ben will tell you, it takes more dis- discipline to do a small sketch and it does a complete painting. That's right. Is that right? Big, painting, big paintings are easier than small ones, but at least for me, anyway. Is that because so of the scale? Yeah, I think I don't have to get so... I can, I can stay, stay looser and more spontaneous in a big canvas than I can in a small canvas. Um, it's just me. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. No, find in small spaces. Maybe I'm a little claustrophobic. <laughs> well, I know, Tom, that when you get that memoir finished, there'll be a lot of people who will appreciate all of your hard work and good intention. Well, thank you. I, I, <laughs> I'm not too sure about that right now. Well, maybe not everyone. <laughs> not, well, luckily the ones... It'll be really, really angry. 
are already dead. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to worry about it too much. But um, uh, it, it, it's something to keep doing while I'm reinventing these short stories I've got. I, I've always wanted to write mysteries. And uh, grew up as a great fan of Agatha Christie's. Mm. Um, so I've, I've invented my own character. And she lives in Monterey. Very good. And it's Lady Yi. Lady Yi. She's from the the Silver Lotus. Hmm. Have, have you read that? I have not. Mine? I have not read the Silver Lotus. In fact, I know that we've had your books in the store, and if you've been to the store, you know it's a really tiny place. So um, things change quite quickly. But I'm I'm intrigued now. No, it's just, well, Lady Yi shows up as a character in The Shadow of the Cypress. And I liked her so much that I just thought she deserved her own book. And I liked that so much, I just decided she needed her own series. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all that. In the meantime, I'm writing a memoir just to keep my hand in. Yeah. And and is the Lady Yi series going to be um, inclusive of the Silver Lotus or separate from that? If you read the Silver Lotus, then you know who she is. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. But you don't have read it to read these stories. Okay. And I'm just coming out with a, uh, a collection of four novellas in which one of the novellas is a model for the Lady Yi character. Hmm. And, what and these are four novellas about Monterey. Well, I'll look for that. So, Ben, what's in your future? You going to put together more beautiful works of art in book form? I don't know if it's be in book form or not. Um, I just, you know, keep painting. And is your work on exhibit uh, anywhere locally here? Uh, no. I had a gallery here in Santa Barbara which closed up, and so, um, but you can see it on my website, studioroad.com. I'm actually looking for a gallery someplace. Mm-hmm. It's going to be closing so quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there used to be a lot of galleries here, and there used to be lots of galleries in, in um, in Monterey, and, you know, they're all gone. Well, I know in Carmel there's somewhere over a 100 galleries, so you might want to check there, especially with local have, images. Yeah, I have checked there. Um, I haven't landed anything yet. <laughs> it's hard to get into a gallery if you're, you know, it's hard to do cold turkey and you almost need a, you know, somebody to recommend you. Mm-hmm. It's also really hard to give away half your profits. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the hard part. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember when galleries charged fifteen to twenty percent, and now it's fifty and more. Mm. It's not really not worth it. <laughs> I sell a lot out of my studio. And your studio is in Santa Barbara. Yes. And if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that, Ben? Uh, go to my website. Which is studiobroad.com. Studiobroad, B-R-O-D-E dot com. 
Facebook.com. Yeah. Well, our guest. And, uh, you know, leave them nasty messages. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, there's a lot of work on that one. Now, Tom, in, in your growing up years, you had, in, I guess, significant teachers that really inspired you to to write. Is that is that the case, or did I read that wrong? No, I really didn't. Um, my father not only never encouraged me to write, but warned me against it. Mm. <laughs> uh, but then you got to remember that my father was a man who made a lot of enemies writing. And uh, he said it's a rough way to make a living. And he was right. So mm-hmm. I um, I was inspired to write because my father at one point had said, if you, if you do want to become a great writer, there's only one rule, and that is become a great reader. Wow. And so now I, I go through about three to four books a month. And what is it that you like to read? Do you have favorite authors or uh, genres? Anything. Anything, everything. Hmm. Um, current, it's amazing. I write fiction, but I read nothing but current events <laughs> or history. I love history. I love uh, biographies. You know? I love history. Um, it, it's difficult to say, but then what I do is I, I place my fiction within the context of some historical incident. Hmm. Yeah. That, that makes it richer, doesn't it? It gives it more texture. It does. I mean, the, uh, the Shadow of the Cypress is is encased in, a, in an actual fact. You know, the uh, Chinese were burned out of their fishing villages in Monterey. By the by, the railroads and the people doing the land improvement, because Pacific Grove had become a tourist resort, so they burned them out. But that's even a bigger story. But that's how that book begins, mm. and uh, goes on to other historical facts, which you know, I sort of lace my characters in and out of. I, I let them ski down the. The mountain of uh, history. Mm-hmm. Well, you have uh, intrigued me to read your books. I have, as you might imagine, working in a bookstore. My husband and I have this bookstore. He had it, what, 12 years before I came in the picture, and he's been in it now 33 years. Um, my night table is about four feet tall. Um <laughs> With great books that I have full intention to read, and I do go through a screening process before they get to the night table, but we're so busy doing the the little detail work in the store and and the secret garden that um, I I just keep looking forward to the day I can just stay in my jammies and read all day. So so far. That's what I'm completely. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have a night table. I just have a stack of books with a cloth thrown on. <laughs> yeah, that's it's probably I, a better idea. It, there's no place to sit down. You know, everything's got a book on it. <laughs> um, but I, but I, I, I count myself very privileged that to spend my time that way. Mm. It's I, I love bookstores. 
spend uh, spend a lot of time in them, and uh, I was especially the one that used to be up at the crossroads, Phoenix, and uh, then all you know, then all of a sudden the, the big the big bookstores came in and took all the joy out of it for me. You know? Yeah. And uh, so now I only go to very small bookstores. Well, I'd love to see you come in and visit our little small bookstore. It's been there actually as of what two weeks from now on January first. This bookstore will have been there for forty-six years, Tom. Where are you located exactly? We are exactly on Dolores in downtown Carmel, right between Fifth and Sixth. So we're around the corner from the post office. We're across the street from the Carmel Art Association Gallery. I can't imagine. I've missed this all these years. It's a long time. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I swear I didn't know it was even there. Oh, well, you know now. So. Well, I mean, I've, I've been to Carmel so many times. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm really on my way through, and I'm, you know, coming up to do a lecture or something, and see a few friends I have in Carmel Island, you know? Yeah. And But I usually don't hang around the, the town of Carmel. Yeah. Well, it's it's become more of a tourist uh, location. You know, people who get away like I used to from San Jose for the weekend or right. come up from L.A. and, you know, yeah. And those, those are usually people I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> Well, maybe come on a on a quiet day, and uh, I'll sh- I'll give you a private tour. Oh, one way or the other, it's yeah. quiet or not. I'm, yeah, I'll make visiting you, and I'm sure Ben will too. Oh, definitely. Excellent. I'd love to meet you both, and we should arrange a, a book signing. I'd love to have that going on in the store whenever that's convenient. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, we could. Yeah. We just need excuses. <laughs> By the way, uh, Caroline is my daughter. Oh, well, she's a lovely person to, to uh, coordinate things with. I appreciate her help very much. Awesome. She actually did the book. Uh-huh. She did all the, all the design work, all the computer work that uh, went into the book. That's a it's value. Well, you know, I'm looking at the clock, and we're uh, we're we're running low on time. I'm just wondering if either Ben or Tom, if either of you have something you want to add before we completely run out of time. Ben, your book. <laughs> Be quiet in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, you know, um, can I say it's. Um, the woods in the Big Sur are quite magical. And if you run across any watches, yeah. don't mention our names. <laughs> be, be kind to the little wee ones. Yeah, don't tell them we sent you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Thomas Steinbeck, Benjamin Brode, for being our guest today on Simple Life Radio. I so appreciate your time and, and, your, and your willingness to share. Well, thank you very much, Cynthia been fun thank you Cynthia thank you it's been a pleasure so uh, Thomas who's written numerous screenplays and books his newest book In Search of the Dark Watchers along with 
Benjamin Brode, who did the incredible artwork. Um, they collaborated on this book for a number of years, and uh, the artwork will captivate you. It really does the landscape uh, a, a huge um, I, you know, uh, I guess justice because the mystery of Big Sur is really encapsulated in the kind of imagery that the book includes. So um, definitely take a look at that. If you want to know about when Tom and Ben will be at the store doing a book signing, as usual, all of our event announcements go out on email. So if you want to have that announcement come to your email, just Get on the Pilgrim's Way website at pilgrimsway.com and sign up for that announcement. Uh, in addition, I want to give a shout out to the local couple who were in the store today. That was David Gordon with his new book. He was signing copies and personalizing them for Christmas gifts. Uh, David Gordon and his lovely wife, Jenna Gordon, who is also a published author locally. So if you didn't get your copies, um, feel free to come in and take advantage of that time now. Till then, I will see you next week. Keep it simple.